Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Before I... I'm going to try this new thing that I learned from Melissa. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Look, it's his, it's, it's, this is like, this is like, <clears throat> this is a uh, pro stuff, apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a weird, it's like a weird breathing thing that you do. It's like, it's, I call it backwards breathing. Hi. Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And on today's episode, Effie and I are going to be talking about how to find safety and joy from your chosen families and relationships during uncertain times. Today is election day in the United States. And it feels like everyone on all sides from all political perspectives are on edge and are nervous. And more than any other election in recent time in the United States, this election feels deeply connected to values and personal experience and very divided ways of looking at the world. And I'm interested, you, Effie, have lived in different countries over the span of several decades. So what has been your experience with election time stress? Well, frankly, I have never experienced this kind of election time stress Mm -hmm. ever in any country and given this particular election I'm watching from outside right I'm in a different country and I can tell you the world is watching you guys (laughs) it's like the world is looking at the states with you know anxious breath just waiting to see what happens and I don't think I mean in my lifetime which, you know, is a mere blip in the history of the world, uh, but that is all I have to go by. I have never seen this. I have never seen the world so focused on one election and and the outcome feeling so relevant to, you know, everyone's lives. So I thought it was because, you know, even when this election stuff started when I was back in the U.S., I thought it was just because I was in the U.S. and, you know, because the U.S. is my home or has been my home for a long time I thought it was that but now I'm outside I realize no it's like that in every country it's like that in Europe it's like that in Asia it's just like everyone's mm. waiting for tomorrow's results and then no pressure you know, no, no pressure <laughs> no pressure US yeah exactly do the right thing people well um, I can tell you the personal election anecdotes uh, my home country uh, elections are usually shit show and you know it's not even worth it's not even worth unpacking moving on uh, UK um, very civilized as you can imagine uh, in the UK we only campaign for six weeks prior wow you can't campaign like you do here like there's none of these like like a year in advance like, yes yeah, yeah yeah no exactly I mean I, I've heard so many people say Trump has been campaigning the the day after the integration like mm-hmm. he just started campaigning again mm-hmm. um, which I totally get yeah, in the UK, you get six weeks of it, mm-hmm. and it's very civilized, and everybody... Voting is low, actually. Well, the voting is low because 
UK politics are very just barely off center, mm-hmm. whichever way you go. So it's that. And I get to vote in, in a couple of countries. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell mm. you one vote that I didn't vote and I do regret deeply is the Brexit vote. Mm. I should have gone to the consulate. I should have casted my vote. I did it purely out of not apathy, but like I, I thought that that referendum was crazy. I thought mm-hmm. it was like I was like, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of like, you know, proverbial column widths and new cycle. It's just like it's a waste of my attention. I was so deeply like this is just a waste of time all around. And I didn't vote. I was like, I'm not going to vote. It's crazy. It's not worth going into, into mm-hmm. Manhattan for that stupid vote. Obviously, it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. then I woke up the next morning and I was like, wow, wow, <laughs> what has just happened? And I'm an idiot for not voting. That was the 2016 elections in the United States. <laughs> Nobody, so many people did not vote. And then to your point, because they were like, that's not, that's crazy. That's not going to happen. I know. You regret it now. Yeah, I hope this hasn't happened this time around. I'm hoping for my future self this hasn't happened. But I do. It's one of those. uh, I'm guilty. Same. The reason why Brexit happened is because people thought like I did and young people didn't vote. And uh, I am guilty. I am guilty. I do feel regretful. So moral of the story, if you can vote, vote, whatever Mm -hmm. it takes people. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I was watching the news, which is very limited nowadays. I, I, I consume very little bit of news. I have like a, a read a, a few articles in the morning, watch a little bit in the afternoon, in the evening, and that's it. There was footage of a woman who was very senior voting and she was emotional about it and said, and after she cast her vote, she said, I mattered. This means that I matter. Mm. And I just like it, those moments where you're just like, oh yeah, like people, it's just a continual reminder of what a privilege mm-hmm. this is and to, to be able to have voice. Um, and I hope that's reflected. We'll, we'll see. This will come out on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we record for, I'm glad we record like in advance because uh, I have no idea. So this is actually this today is this November 3rd. Yes. We're recording right. on Tuesday mm-hmm. and um, it is the election day. Yes. I know that you voted yesterday or you voted early. Good for you. I did. And we'll see. I mean, I, I have listened back to our Mar- March podcast where we're like, there's this thing called COVID. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> says we got to oh, be yeah. indoors for like two weeks. That'll be crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, so I'm sure I'll listen to this a year from now and just be like, oh, past Jackie, if you only knew. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, since this podcast is going to be released a few days after the election and since our social media uh, podcasts and Slack channels have been filled with political discourse, I don't know if we should spend too much time talking about the election. I think that we want this podcast to be a place where people can change the noise, where you come here for a little reprieve potentially from Mm -hmm. some of that tension. What we will talk about is how to live and love during this time of global unease and unrest. Mm-hmm. I mean, according to studies, both scientific and anecdotal, people across the globe are experiencing high levels of stress and fear and unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And it's impacting the way we're showing up in our relationships. Absolutely. I think this came up for us from the um, the last Freakonomics episode, uh, podcast episode about the hedometer. Mm-hmm. the happiness measure right and they were saying that um we are the saddest we've been in decades mm-hmm. so yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I definitely see that from my clients for sure. I mean, anecdotal, but a lot of my clients are experiencing the stress they're experiencing externally is reflecting within the relationship dynamics. And I can tell because things that they were focused on, you know, before is it was a lot more to do with, you know, where the relationship is going and open relationships and how do they transition into an open relationship and how do they, you know, start dating and maybe we're sort of navigating through those like first few dates that people are going and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now we're essentially most of the time stress management. Like we're Mm -hmm. we're doing most of the work that we're doing is emotional regulation, stress management, and just trying to sort of figure out what survival mode looks like yeah. uh, where, you know, without imploding the relationships, which is a very different place than than like the focus is very, very different. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. No, it's true. It's true. I was listening to another podcast yesterday that was talking about how gun sales and ammunition sales in the United States have skyrocketed mm. over the last few weeks. Yeah. And People on both sides of the political aisle are arming up because there is palpable tension and fear in the air. And as we know from the conversations that we had with Angie Gunn around oppression, repression and suppression and all the ways in which the ways that we have power with or power over in society can show up and seep into our homes to your point, the fear that is happening outside of our homes is seeping into our spaces. And sure. same with my clients. I'm seeing people and my and my own relationship. I'm seeing myself be like, what do you mean by that? And what is that? And what <laughs> that that I love you seemed like it had tone in it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, why, why, is, haven't been, why haven't you been saying it all day? Huh? Right, why now? Exactly. Right. Right. What did you do? What, what's going on? Yeah. No, but I'm having like I'm having like breakup dreams. I'm having you know I won't hear from a partner for like an hour, and I'm like clearly they have gone on OK Cupid and met someone and have fallen in love within that hour. That's <laughs> clearly what's happening that's what's while i'm on this podcast that's what's going on and i mean i'm I'm very aware that these are irrational thoughts but i i am aware of them because Mm -hmm. i'm aware that when i start to feel unsafe Mm -hmm. that it starts to show up in my relationships and so that's what we're going to be talking about today how to feel safe and and find joy in our relationships and our chosen families so that we can navigate through the coming months with some sense of hope Mm -hmm. and love Mm -hmm. and comfort That's the goal. Let's start um, with setting the scene and breaking down how fear outside of our relationship translates to fear inside of our relationships and inside of ourselves Mm. and how each of us reacts differently with those stressors. This really kind of correlates to um, attachment that we, you know, we talk about a lot, which is one of the sort of really important dynamics within relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And, And attachment is, there's kind of two aspects of attachment. For those of you who are new to attachment theory, um, it's essentially how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about the other person and our sense of safety in the context of a relationship uh, is what sort of attachment is. And then there are, you know, in an ideal world, we have a secure attachment system, which means that we can, we feel that we can connect with somebody and, and feel at ease in intimacy or intimate situations. We neither feel that they, the other person or people threaten us or feel 
like overpower us in in those connections and should those connections erode should those connections end we don't feel that we lose our a sense of self or a piece of ourselves that the we still feel whole though we of course um can experience sadness and loss and grief um mm. those are new normal human emotions but we don't feel a loss of sense of self or a fundamental um, loss of safety within ourselves. Mm. So that's a, that's sort of a secure attachment system. So for those of us who don't have a secure attachment system, uh, we have a few options. Um, if you have an insecure attachment system, you have a few options, you know. You know, sometimes we can show up as anxious attachment that in layman's terms, we say things like, this person is needy, this person is clingy. And within ourselves, we might feel um, an intense sense of uh, a fear of abandonment. That kind of what what anxious attachment feels like. And then there is avoidant. Um, an avoidant, somebody with an avoidant attachment system is kind of, um, I think in layman's terms, we can say they're aloof. We can say that they have intimacy problems. Um, we can say they're commitment phobes, right? Those are kind of the layman's terms, the labels that we stick on people sort of how you might feel if you have an avoidant attachment system is interestingly you may not know <laughs> that is the that is the magical trick with trick with an avoidant attachment system is because you are avoiding attachment because you are um, avoiding connection means that you it's likely that you have an avoidant tendency which means that you might actually be avoiding knowing that you have an avoidant attachment system mm-hmm However, if you can sort of check in with yourself, uh, what you might find is that you have what they call a fear of engulfment. So if you have fear that you, once you're in a relationship, that you kind of get sucked into a relationship and you um, somehow lose or that you will, you have a fear that you will lose a sense of self, that you will kind of lose where you end and the other person begins and you kind of have to please the other person all the time at, at, at any cost and and that's scary to you and because of that you avoid relationships um, or you keep people at arm's length the chances are you might have an avoidant attachment system um, <laughs> and sorry if this is you yeah if, if you so let's let's say what this looks like I guess in a because oftentimes these two types of folks are also attracted to each other so one way of characterizing it is the turtle and the octopus. So there is the turtle who in conflict goes inside. And so assume, for example, that you are not with your partner and there is maybe a, a text exchange and there's some mm-hmm. tension there. The avoidant attachment style maybe says, I can't deal with this right now, gets consumed with work, does other things, mm-hmm. hours and hours pass, and they don't even look to their phone. They don't even think about the person. They don't think about the situation. They get consumed with other things because in their mind, they're like, I can't, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with the stress or this energy. I'm just going to avoid it. And they go kind of internal. And the octopus is likely looking at their phone every 10 minutes, waiting for a text, waiting for a message, ruminating over the conversation over and over because the anxiety around, can we connect again? What's going to happen? What's this going to look like? It is the turtle will fall asleep in the middle of an argument. The octopus will want to argue through the night until three in the morning until they feel safe and sound. And so I generally show up as anxious, (laughs) the anxious Mm -hmm. octopus. Where are you on that spectrum, Effie? So I am a recovering insecure attached person. So, okay, let me just break down a, a few things before I out myself as my attachment style. <laughs> so first of all, most most of us are kind of fluid. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like yes. a, you're stuck in one place. Yeah. Even the most secure of us of us may find themselves in situations where they f- might feel anxious or avoidant, depending on how they're feeling about themselves, how they're feeling about their about their environment. So right now, for example, mm-hmm. I can imagine the most secure of the secure person um, might feel insecure because they feel insecure in, in themselves or in their lives. Right. So many people have lost of their livelihoods, and you know, there's general tension. So you know, th- there's so many factors and, and it's very, there aren't that many people that are like secure at any given moment in any given situation. So mm-hmm. it's just worth mentioning, like it, th- these things shift, though we, of course, all have tendencies. And so the security is on one side and then the insecure folk can bounce. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely oscillate depending on the situation I can I can be avoidant and I can be anxious um, and I can swing. You're an insecure chameleon. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And what I see a lot actually with clients who are in multiple relationships, you know, the open folk are uh, the same person can show up as anxious in one relationship mm-hmm. and avoidant on the other at the same time. That's very true for me. That makes sense. Tell me more about that. So I think that when I feel to do what you shared earlier, as if I'm going to be engulfed, when I feel like someone is trying to consume more of my time, attention or energy than I have to give, I begin to shut down and pull away and go inside and push them back. And when I feel like they have pulled back, it's almost like a dance. That's how I would describe it. If I feel like the person is pulling back, I lean in. If I have felt like the person is leaning in too much, I lean back. And mm. certainly over you know the years and lots of work, I do much better at that. But that is, I think, my default tendency is to mm. connection is very important to me. So I'd rather meet in the middle, but I will certainly lean all the way in if I feel like the person is pulling back. And, you know, with an example for is like with my daughter, she, because we don't have a lot of time together, when she's here, she wants a lot of my time and energy. And I have to be very mindful because I can feel myself feeling engulfed. And wanting mm-hmm. to like pull away from her and I have to then talk mm-hmm. myself through it and help her realize that she's safe and we're good and I'm good and, you know, all those mm-hmm. things. So I think my default is probably anxious. And I think that I'm a switch, you know, I'm a swinger, if you will, in terms <laughs> of I can go go either way. But I am better. I'm better at it. Yeah. So you oscillated depending on the relationship. Was there a particular default or really it d- really did depend? It really does depend. I think the um, that dance that you're describing, which is it's for people who calibrate to the other person, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's where that's where the oscillation comes. So um, exactly what you described. So depending on what was going on with wh- whomever I'm with, I would I would lean in or lean back. Yeah. Um, I think the work that I've done allows me to stand in my own yeah. center. Mm-hmm. And and not lean in or lean back. I think that's kind of the difference now. And of course, like it's a good day. That's a that's a good day. And really, just you're just counting the good days. I mean, at least that's my experience. So I just count the good days, and there are definitely days where I'm, you know, leaning in or leaning leaning back or flinging or shutting down. Or but uh, the work for me is to be able to stand in my own center and and yes. not lean. And even when the other people are leaning. 
you know, mm-hmm. and sort of have nice healthy boundaries, which means like I'm not getting pushed off my center. That's when you find your center, when you're able to stand in your center and your power, whatever you want to call it, whatever language that makes sense to you. Um, the important thing is what maintains that equilibrium mm-hmm. is good boundaries around you, good, healthy, gentle boundaries around you mm-hmm. where you're able to maintain that. Having said that, as I said, those are good days. Yeah. On bad days, I think I tend to be avoidant, to be honest. I don't tend to get clingy, but I do, you know, I can get avoidant. And by the way, this avoidance style um, comes up in, shows up in kind of two iterations, if you will. There's like the fearful, there's the fearful avoidant and there's a dismissive avoidant. And dismissive avoidant is kind of, they're more sort of isolation, um, isolationists. They're like, Mm. so they're they're like um, solo. They like to be alone and they can be emotionally distant. And, you know, there could be a lot of ambiguity, a lot of ambivalence um, in the way they show up. Whereas somebody who's uh, fearful avoidant, they could just be kind of unpredictable and they can have like internal conflict. They can kind of uh, be okay one minute and then kind of explode, exploding in the other because they're not, they're not um, communicating their boundaries. So they're mm. kind of like tolerating, but not really tolerating. They're kind of just like putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off. And they're like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because they haven't been dealing and they haven't been proce- processing. They're kind of avoiding the situation mm-hmm. because it feels scary. Mm-hmm. And then at some point it's just too much because they've let it go on too much. Mm-hmm. I've definitely hung out in that sort of quadrant <laughs> <laughs> in my life. That's for sure. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like you kind of people pleasing until, or, or you're kind of not dealing I wouldn't mm-hmm. say people please, but you're kind of not dealing until it's like exploding in your face. Mm. I'm, yeah, I kind of, um, I think I tend to lean on the avoidant stuff mm-hmm. uh, when I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not kind of reminding myself that I'm safe and, mm-hmm. you know, defining what safe is. And I wonder if, you know, I, I believe the woo-woo in me, which there's not much in there, but there is some, mm-hmm. believes that these these types of attachment styles find each other for a sense of healing. So that I remember when my wife and I were going to you and we were we were in the midst of our struggle several years ago and meeting with you. And I expressed how it felt like I was bleeding out. Like mm-hmm. I was in such visible and obvious pain. And mm-hmm. it looked as if she didn't care. It looked Mm -hmm. as if it didn't matter. And you shared, no, she's bleeding internally. Mm -hmm. And that was a really powerful awareness. And I think for for all of us who are trying to figure out now how to be around each other and be whole and feel healed in -hmm. the midst of this chaos, those are some things to keep in mind is Mm -hmm. that even if you are with someone who looks like they um, are doing okay, they may be internally bleeding. And Mm -hmm. even if you are the one who are, you know, that you may not be the only one, if you're the one out there bleeding out, that you Mm -hmm. may not be the only one. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about finding your center. It reminds me of uh, Sorry Cooper in the, and consider this, our our event last year, November of last year, she talked about how if you are leaning forward or leaning back, that's unstable, that it's only when you're standing to your, mm-hmm. you know, standing on your own two feet that you won't be rocked, that you won't slip and fall. And that visual has always also stuck with me that right mm-hmm. now, I think that we are either leaning into people or leaning away from people. You know, we started off talking about politics. I think that's true there as well with our, our individual camps. We're really leaning all the way into a particular rhetoric or pulling all the way away from another rhetoric. And in many mm-hmm. cases, it means that we don't feel stable. We're not standing on our own two feet. So how do we do that? If we are in a place right now of feeling 
scared and insecure and worried and not mm-hmm. with hope. And that is showing up in conflict in our relationship or it's showing up that we are either being clingy or being avoidant, mm-hmm. that we're picking fights or avoiding fights. Let's talk a little bit how to navigate through that. Sure. I, th- I think that's really crucial that we do that. But I do want to bring in something that about being center and because mm-hmm. what comes up for me is... Um, a lot of um, partner dancing, like, you know, if you want to do the you know, salsa or swing or whatever, whatever partner dancing, a lot of the time the, the couples are lean into each other and there's a lead. And mm. then you're supposed to kind of lean like the, the follow kind of leans in and, and follows, mm-hmm. which is you know great for dance. It's a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of partner dancing. Uh, when I think of like the healthy version of that within within relationships and that kind of both parties being in their center and like really feeling strong. I think of flamenco. Mm. If you don't know what flamenco dancing is, just YouTube it. It's amazing. Gorgeous. It's like it's just beautiful. And um, partnered flamenco dancing, both parties are kind of very much standing in their power. Um, there isn't as much kind of leaning in going on. It's just like it's strong and it's powerful and it's flamboyant and it's gorgeous. And all parties are like very much in their center of power. And they sort of dance around each other and they they sort of rely on each other for the aesthetics. But if you were to remove one from the other, it would still they would still remain and from a dance point of view also their dance would like if you were if you had some sort of editing powers and if you look watch the a partnered flamenco dance and you moved one part like you would you removed one partner mm-hmm. and you just watched one at a time it would be equally like mesmerizing it's just one of those dances that you kind of it, so anyway when i think of like standing in your power and sort of being strong and and, and living your full expression i think of flamenco dancing and yeah, let's figure out how do we how do we flamenco how do we dance, dance like how, flamenco? Yes. <laughs> yeah. How do we dance the flamenco um, in our partnerships? Mm-hmm. Well, part of it, I mean, I mean, let's just stick with the analogy. I think part of it is just learning the steps, like mm-hmm. learning the steps on your own, and then learning how to dance with the other person. So stepping into your own power, knowing the things that bring you joy. And let's break that down because I I am not interested in, I think that there's a lot to be said about inspirational quotes on t-shirts and Instagram. And at the end of the day, when I am exhausted and, you know, cannot see the light, that quote, (laughs) it does me live very little good. (laughs) And so let's start with like sleeping and water and eating, right? Like that we like are taking care of the machine that is holding us together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's pieces of it. But even it is just frankly giving ourselves permission to find some little bits of joy. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you want to go on TikTok and that makes you feel lovely and good, if you want to mm-hmm. eat that grilled cheese sandwich, if you want to take the time mm-hmm. to make a poached egg instead of a scrambled egg, do the thing. Like yes. we each deserve to spend a few more minutes doing whatever mm-hmm. the thing is mm-hmm. that is going to bring us some sense of light and joy right now. Yeah, yeah. And being intentional about it, like thinking about what that is and doing it. And I think right now, one of the things, you know, again, the numbers are astounding. I wish I had them at my fingertips, but there is an incredible rise in depression and anxiety right now. Um, just individual experience. And that's, that's making it harder for people to take care of themselves. Never mind taking, you know, taking care of each other, but like taking care of yourselves. So if you're finding that you can't find those pieces of joy be mindful, you know, be mindful and see, is it just like you're being absent-minded and not doing it? Or if you're like 
really struggling to find moments of joy. Like you really can't see any glimmer of light or hope. Um, and it all feels like my depression feels like this is the way I describe it a lot of the time is kind of um, you're in the bottom, like you're at the end of like a deep hole and you're looking up. There's like a tiny little outing and there's like a bit of light out there, but it just feels like just too far. So whatever, you know, any kind of feeling like that, just be mindful of your mental mental health. And um, if you're not, if you can't find that joy, if you can't find any hope, you feel like you're scared all the time, you feel like you're tense all the time, um, you might want to, you might want to seek some professional help. So yeah. And then if you don't, you know, if you feel like your mental health is in a good place, but you're not making time and space uh, mm -hmm. for bits of joy, um, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, I was I was in therapy on Friday and at some point in the conversation he said there is no light at the end of the tunnel. You have to be the light. Oof. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh -huh. I was like, yeah. Yeah, all right, well, that's a good way to start this session. <laughs> right, right. Wow, yeah. That's, it, it, that's I don't know how I feel about that from like as, as a depressed person. I don't know how I feel about that, but it's strong. I was just like, whoa, what? sure. Oh, I think what, what, you know, and why I think that was important in the context of the therapeutic conversation was we are going to take the space together to figure out how to, you can be the light that you're not waiting mm -hmm. for someone to save you or so for some mm -hmm. light to come that you are going to seek that out, that you are going to find the light, that you're going to be the light. And so then that we spent the, the rest of our conversation talking about just that, where are the places of joy, of laughter, of connection? connection. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, frankly, that we can learn from polyamory as it relates to building community that meets our different and various needs to find that joy. One of the things that I love doing that I very rarely do is art. So I studied art in school many, many moons ago and did not pursue a career in the arts because I did not want to monetize something that felt like it brought me joy. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I've joked with Effie that Canva now is my art expression. <laughs> <laughs> Making like Instagram posts and memes. That is the way I express my art and my color. But my sister, And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> my sister is an artist. My sister has a solo show now in Soho. She creates beautiful, gorgeous work around the New Yorkian experience. The the it's the New York Puerto Rican experience and what it was mm -hmm. like to grow up in that space. And she has these like gigantic wall size artworks that when you walk into the gallery, it feels like you're in like someone like a grandmother's home. Like she's like mm -hmm. big pieces. And I invited her over a few weeks ago to have an art day. We went to Michael's, a supply store, yes. supply store. We bought canvases and wood and paint and glue with no concept of what we were going to do. And mm -hmm. just like threw all the supplies on the floor and then just like ordered burgers and painted and joked and laughed. And like by the end, put up just like this wall of art that we had created that day. Nice. My partners would not be interested in that in that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And so it, mm -hmm. it takes sometimes thinking about what brings you joy and how can you build a community, multiple partnerships, multiple types of relationships, multiple levels of engagement that meet those different mm -hmm. needs and that bring you those little sparks of joy. Absolutely. I think connection is medicine. I think it's, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are in romantic relationships with people, but having a, an extended intimate circle, uh, extended sort of a community, a micro community of people that you feel connected to and you feel that you 
want to support and they support you. There's a mutuality. There's there's intimacy and intimacy comes in so many different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so, so important. And I think a lot of the, you know, when you when you talk to people, when you talk to poly folk, polyamorous folk, the very broad distinction between polyamory and open relationship is that polyamorous folk tend to lean into the relationship side of side of things and people who identify as open relationships they tend to lean into the sexual exploration of relationships and they tend to be in sort of uh they tend to be in like pair bonded um or you know they tend to be in dyads and open dyads where they explore sexually with other people um so when you kind of look at the polyamorous folk you see in the sort of the healthy dynamics you see uh, a support network you see an extended family you see uh, you know what I like to call a micro community of people who are interconnected to each other and I think there is comfort in that and there is safety in that yes there is like love and romance and and potentially sexual exploration in that uh, but there's also these like very human basic human needs in that mm-hmm. um, and I think you know you don't necessarily have to be polyamorous to have that in your life but there's definitely lessons to be learned on how to how to set that up and how to maintain that for sure yeah so if so here's an exercise that you can do right now or at the end of this podcast grab a piece of paper go on a whiteboard if you're like me you have a whiteboard you have flip chart paper you got paper paper everywhere go to a notebook and draw out a web put a circle in the middle you know, put your name in there and start to web out what are the different things that bring you joy? Being near the ocean, doing art, watching horror movies, cooking, whatever it is, just start like mapping out. These are all the things that make me smile, that bring me some sense of joy. And then start to think, well, who else in my life likes these things? Who could I reach out to that would watch a scary movie with me via, you know, Zoom or that would come over for an arts day or whatever that looks like um, that would cook with me online or in person and just start to build out first, what are the things that you need to do to help yourself recharge your battery? I often Mm -hmm. say to my daughter, um, you know, towards the end of the day, I'll be like, I'm at 3%. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that phone language is language that she understands. <laughs> so yeah. I can be like, millennials. There's three percent left, and then I got to recharge. What are the things that help you recharge? Mm-hmm. Write those things down, and then start to think about who in your community, um, in your connections, in your family, in your chosen family, in your friends, out of your partners that can do those things with you, mm-hmm. or where you can do them on your own, and you can meet new people yeah. or, or do it all by totally. yourself. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Let me just step back for a second and 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 tie some of these um ends together because we talked about attachment yeah. and we now sort of moving on. I think it's important to make that bridge for people. So the reason why we ended up talking about attachment is because in these current in the current climate with unrest and um sort of a lot of unknown, a lot of um ambiguity a lot of us are feeling unsafe. Uh, We talked about that. And that feeling of unsafety and that feeling of, you know, not knowing what's coming and maybe not feeling secure in yourself for whatever reason, uh, understandable reasons, um, can reflect within the relationship dynamics, often showing up as attachment struggles. Hmm. So when you feel unsafe and when you don't have a great sense of self, um, you're going to show up as, you know, you may show up as insecure attachment, right? We talked about that. And that can look like that you either 
um, in very crudely put, you might either want to cling to your partner because you feel unsafe and, and and you're sort of looking for a sense of self. Um, and you know, you're the octopus, you cling. And then because you cling, um, you might be activating or triggering the other person to shut down or uh, extract themselves, right? Pull away, pull away from you. Um, and those dynamics can come up, you know, back and forth, back and forth within a relationship, right? As, as we said, it could shift, you know, one person can be one way and then it could shift to the other way. And I think it's really important from that place to to know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And this could be in, you know, this, this is the same as monogamy or non-monogamy, right? This can show up in multiple relationships. It's not just dyadic, right? It can be between two people as a relationship dynamic, but it, it doesn't, you know, it's not like, oh, uh, monogamous people are secure and, and non-monogamous people are insecure. That's not how it works out. It's just like how you're showing up in those relationships. And if you don't handle it, and is, we were just talking to some of the ways that, that we, you can handle it. If you're not handling it, it it's just going to exacerbate the attachment stuff that's showing up in your relationship. It's going to erode trust and it's going to erode sort of healthy dynamics. And it's going to actually lead, it's actually going to lead you towards the thing that you're most afraid of, right? Mm -hmm. So those of us who are not feeling safe and feeling, feeling insecure and sort of clinging to our partner, because we are afraid that they will leave, they will leave us, and we'll be left alone, and we can't fend for ourselves. Like these stories that come up in our head, by sort of clinging, by being the octopus, you will push that person away, right? Mm -hmm. And and the person that is on the avoidance side and not having conversations and they're kind of shutting down because they're so worried that they're going to lose a sense of themselves. They're going to get too close or it's going to be uncomfortable. They're going to exacerbate the anxious person on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it's going to, you know, they're going to, they are going to be clung to more and they are going to be agitated more. So it's, it's really important that we handle this stuff. And it's also really important to name some of this stuff, right? It might not be, the chances are the highest possibility that how these dynamics are playing out isn't personal. It's not about your partner. It's mm -hmm. not about how they're showing up. It's just mm -hmm. how you're feeling within yourself mm -hmm. and how you're reacting to what's happening around you, especially right now. Um, so it's really important to kind of have that moment of self-awareness and, and not a moment, but have a practice of self-awareness and to sort of figure out, oh, what's going on with me, how I'm feeling and, and see if you can figure out whether the, these feelings are correlating to the present time i.e. like what's happening right now in this moment and with the person in front of you or is it as a reaction to your your sort of broader environment or is it something that's coming in from the past so i just wanted to kind of like connect these bits and and to now like okay what are the things you can do if this is what's happening in your life yeah do you want to hear a story always by the way <laughs> Especially from you. Of course I do. Let me just settle into my seat. <laughs> so yesterday, of course, there's the tension leading up to the election and the work that I do outside of the Curious Fox space. I am a coach. And so I work with people one on one and I am the place where people share their anxieties <laughs> and come looking mm -hmm. for support and getting hope. Um, I also work with social justice organizations in supporting them with increasing their impact in the movements. And so my days essentially are filled with either helping people navigate through hardship or 
virtual schooling with my daughter, which feels like <laughs> navigating through hardship. And, <laughs> and after like a super long day of that, then I had like this really rough conversation with somebody. And at the end of the night, ended it by calling my partner and spent the first like five minutes essentially just like, these are all the things that happened and this thing and this thing. Can you believe they said this? Mm -hmm. Like essentially Mm -hmm. doing my monologue. And she Mm -hmm. does a very good job of just like being, having an audience to my monologue, just sitting back Mm -hmm. in the theater and listening. And I had not told her that, that when I was done with my monologue, that there was going to be time for audience interaction. That normally (laughs) I do my monologue and like, you know, she like pauses or responds or whatever, like pats me on the head or gives me a hug or whatever that is. And I can move on. Mm -hmm. This particular night, last night, Mm -hmm. I, at the end of my dramatic monologue of all the things, wanted her to validate. That was crazy. They should never have said that to you. That's crazier. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And she didn't do those things. Mm -hmm. And I was not happy about that. And so she just was like looking at me and I was looking at her. This was taking place over Google Duo. And we were looking at each other and I was just becoming increasingly annoyed waiting for the audience interaction part of the show. And at some point I was like, are you just going to stare at me? Are you just not, did you not hear what I have to say? She's like, no, no, I I heard you. I heard that. That sounds like a lot. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Well, I want you to respond as you would normally respond. Do you have a joke? Do you have a question? Do you not, you're not curious (laughs) about my day? Do you have not any follow-up? And she's like, I mean, I don't, I was, I was just listening. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go then. And I hung up. And then 10 seconds later, I'm texting her madly. Well, I don't understand why you had nothing to say. And what does this mean? And then a few minutes later, I call her. And that conversation ends with me being like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just, I'm going to go to bed. To which a few minutes later, I start texting her. And then I call her back. And I'm like, you know what then? Like, I just, we, why do we keep doing this? Let's just, we should just... And so I, I was very much playing in <laughs> too. Yeah. And the more that I was like, I need you to validate me. I need you to mm-hmm. name the things that I am scared of are scary. I need you to mm-hmm. name the things that happened are bad. I need you to name. The more frankly, she was like, I need you to get the hell away from me. Now, she, wasn't, <laughs> she was saying that with her eyes. Not, she was uh-huh. better not, not to say that with her mouth. But she just became more and more avoidant the more and more clingy mm-hmm. I became. The turtle like mm-hmm. went further into its shell and I was just extending out my tentacles mm-hmm. like, trying to get closeness. And finally was able to get enough into my wise mind and remember and realize this pattern that was happening. Mm-hmm. And we did end it on an, you know, an okay place, went to sleep because that's mm-hmm. actually the thing that I needed because at that point mm-hmm. it was probably midnight, mm-hmm. woke up early, meditated this morning, had some tea, had some quiet time, focused on the things that I needed to do today and getting myself organized, ate something, like did the things I need to do to take care of myself and then thought mm-hmm. about what are the moments of joy that I want to have today. So I decided with, with my daughter that we're going to do an art project later after work is done. Uh, we're going to order Mexican food as opposed to me cooking tonight. That's going to bring me joy. And so I mapped out my morning to focus on what do I need to do to feel whole and feel joy and then by the time she woke up and we connected via text I was in a better and different space and we could be our partners again with each other sure and so I you know again to connect it to what you (laughs) what you were just saying that happened yesterday and this morning Mm -hmm. and so it's a very real like what happens on the outside impacts what happens inside of our bodies which then impacts what happens in our relationships and the only way out of that is to like 
recognize it like meditation when you start to like think think your thoughts you have to like catch mm-hmm. yourself and come back to your breath you just got to catch it and come back to center yeah the two things stood out for me one is google duo <laughs> love that you're challenging the status quo here <laughs> good for you uh i like how you're rolling uh, um, uh no uh, i mean honestly um the other thing is you're absolutely right like what you just described is very much happening in so many homes yeah so um thank you for sharing your story because i know so many people are like my god that was my last night too you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's happening it's happening a good pro tip, by the way, um, have a curfew for mm-hmm. important conversations mm-hmm. and processing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think 11 p.m. is a good curfew for any <laughs> yes, um, big conversation. And, you know, if you're at past midnight having a big conversation, I can guarantee you, you're not going to have it resolved. It's just going to just going to descend into mm-hmm. like an endless spiraling emotional mess and no one's going to win. Mm-hmm. So normally with my clients those like the the, the clients that have these like you know up till 3 a.m trying to figure out you know whatever they're trying to figure out i'm like you're i have never seen (laughs) an argument uh, a discussion uh a conversation end well at 3 a.m i just haven't seen that you know you know if that's my experience i've just never seen i've just never seen it more likely one partner just falls asleep in the middle because they can't deal the other one cries himself to sleep and that's how it ends exactly exactly so have a curfew people 11 p.m is a good time of course do whatever works for you Mm -hmm. but you know i can i can tell you once you're in the am's early am's no one's gonna win and no one's gonna win and it's gonna feel shitty all around yeah yeah sleep is your friend Yes. So that so so again, we go back to going back to center, doing what need, mm-hmm. you need to do, ground yourself, mm-hmm. figure out the things that are going to help you feel some sense of control. I was having a conversation with a client mm-hmm. yesterday, and we're talking about how sometimes in the middle of the workday, it's like I'm just going to stop and do the dishes right now, or I'm going to mm-hmm. clean up my desk, and that's not on to do list. Or not, but it feels like something with with that I can see the finished product. Mm-hmm. That I mm-hmm. and if that's what you need to do. If you need to get up and clean something so that mm-hmm. you have some sense control in this world and this country where it has it feels like everything is out of control mm-hmm. that's okay do that thing sure. uh do do yeah. the little whiteboard oh, challenge stretch. right St- physically yeah. move yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the other suggestion i would say is is around giving people grace i was assuming that she should know exactly what i needed in that moment mm-hmm. right before we we joined this podcast i was having a, a call with a client who is struggling with some coworkers and the tension in that space and she mm-hmm. feels as if her work is not being acknowledged and when they ask her a question she's taking it as a criticism because mm-hmm. she doesn't what she would want them to say is you've done really great work on this mm-hmm. i love this this is fantastic i actually just have two questions about it and then say the questions and then she would respond differently. But when they respond mm-hmm. just with the questions, what she hears is you have missed these two things. Like clearly mm-hmm. you're not looking at this close enough because I, I picked out these two. So I, mm-hmm. one of my suggestions to her was insert the thing that you wish they would have said. When you read it, read to yourself, man, that was a great job that you did here. This is really good work. Mm-hmm. I just have two questions for you. And then read mm-hmm. their questions and you're the way in which you're going to respond energetically is just going to be so different than if you see that as a criticism. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do that myself. I'm trying to hear people's words in a way that I, um, I want to have charitable assumption and assume mm-hmm. that they are, that they mean well, and I will then respond accordingly. So part of it, I think is also just finding grace with each other. 
For sure. And knowing really the only thing that you can control is your own reaction to things. Mm -hmm. So you can choose that. Hopefully you can find yourself in your wise mind and you can do things like, you know, what you, what you're saying is like a type of reframing. You know, you're just like, you pick your own adventure. You know, you read an email yes. and you, you interpret it the way that you want to interpret it. You know, you add the parts that you want to add and you, mm -hmm. you know, get whatever you want out of it because you want to, you know, you, you have control and choice over how you react to things. Right. We're doing that anyway. In our minds, we're right. like, oh, oh, you see there, they don't even care about what I did. They don't care about my work. They don't care about, or my partner hasn't seen that I did the dishes that I cleaned. They don't recognize that I've taken care of the kids and they didn't they don't pre there's this whole backstory to your what you often say is the story in my head so mm -hmm. there is a story in your head try to find a good one <laughs> rewrite exactly. it, the adventure go through the blue door instead of the green door yeah. and totally, choose a better totally. story exactly and it's if it's helpful if you can you know I, I, we talk about this a lot here Saying I have a story in my head and mm -hmm. then finishing that sentence is mm -hmm. so powerful because you can extract, you, ex you can extract what you have chosen subconsciously, unconsciously. Yeah. And now you can say, okay, I want to make up a new story. And I don't mean in this like delirium sort of, you know, don't, you know, completely detached from reality. But once you've established <laughs> that you've already made up a story, right. you can, you can make up a, you know, you can, you can adjust that story right. um, to sort of get, you know, to get to whatever you want. So right. well, that person is not the villain. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you value your, and, and like uh, mm -hmm. you value your own work enough that you don't need to be, mm -hmm validated with other people and that their their you know their question is you know a, a reflection of their confusion yeah. you can you can make up whatever story exactly. uh, and it's um and that goes within relationships i think um when you are feeling like your partner isn't showing up for you and you sort of feeling more and more needy more and more clingy articulate the story i have a story mm -hmm. in my head that you're gonna leave me i have a story mm -hmm. in my head that yeah. you don't love me anymore i have a story in my head that you know i whatever you know just like and and and, and articulated in the context of the story mm -hmm. whether you articulate to them or articulate to yourself in your in your own private experience you're like i have a story in my head that my partner is going to leave me and then you can look at that story and see is that true is that mm -hmm. is that really like how true is it how true is it yeah. Or does it feel real? Does it feel like it's going to happen like there and then? Um, is it something that you can bring up with your partner? Once you sort of name that that story, you have choices. You have you have options. Yeah, and naming it to yourself is really important. I it, for a while it took me some time to even believe that that was true. I am I show up very strong in the world. I am all of four foot nine. I am uh, look younger than I am. I ha and I have big energy, I think, to compensate for all like that you. tininess. Yeah. And in every meeting that I am in through Zoom throughout the course of the day, I am likely leading all of them or I'm directing the work or I am I, I, I have I'm big in my smallness. And so when I would think of myself as someone who is clingy or needy, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> that does not fit the narrative. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that when I, because I was so big in the world, I wanted a soft spot at home to land and feel comforted mm -hmm. and taken care of. And when that felt threatened, when it felt like I wouldn't have that is when I did feel unsafe. And so mm -hmm. it's recognizing that, you know, the dichotomy that both things can be true. 
that mm-hmm. you can be someone who loves connection, but also feels overwhelmed by people and pull away. That you could be someone who is very strong in who they are and still feels wildly insecure in your relationship because you feel like mm-hmm. that dynamic is unsafe. So just frankly, naming it for yourself first and for then sure. being able to, to have the, the vulnerability and the courage to name to your partner, this is what's happening for me. This is the story in my head right now. Yeah. And sometimes you get the feedback you get when you do that. And especially if you have, if you have an, if you have established a good foundation of communication, which is just worth doing regardless um, of what's happening. And, and when you sort of say, have a story in my head that, you know, whatever you name and you get some feedback, you know, I think it could be enlightening. It could be, you, you know, you could suddenly realize, oh my God, like I'm so far off the mark. But if you don't name it, you're just going to keep going round and round in circles. You know, you can say, I have a story in my head that you're angry, angry with me. And that's why you're not talking to me. And the other person can be like, whoa, wow, I'm sorry that's happening for you. I am just preoccupied because I'm still trying to figure out this email that I have to write to management tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like it could just be simple as that. And if you don't name it yeah. or like, I'm worried about the elections, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried about my job. Right. There's, there's like so much is happening in, in, in people's psyche right now. You know, it can show up as, as, you know, you don't love me or you don't, you don't want to connect with me. If that's where we, that's where we allow ourselves to go in the same way that is somebody who's sort of experiencing a partner being clingy and needy, you can name that too. And gently you can be like, listen, sounds like, you know, I have a story in my head that you have all these expectations from me and you want me to show up a certain way. You know, how's that working out for you? Like what's going on? And the other person can be like, can check in with themselves and be like, yeah, I just realized I'm putting a lot of pressure on you. Mm-hmm. So these mm-hmm. are all really important conversations that that yeah. can be had if you have a good, you know, sense of good, good, strong foundation of communication. Um, if you really name things from your point of view, mm-hmm. a lot of I statements, you know, we talk about a lot of I statements, but it's really narrating your own experience and being mindful of leaving a bit of a space for things to, to be different, to, to remain mm. curious and flexible, mm. that, that realize that, you know, the human brain makes up stories. Uh, we only have, you know, one angle on things. On that note, actually, let me, I do this fun exercise. <laughs> and I actually did it the other day, which blew some people's minds. And I just want to tell you about it. Actually, now I tell you about it. If I do it, people won't, will know my secret. But um, <laughs> I have a, but uh, it's a good one. So I, I have a mug that the handle is broken. And it's an old mug. I keep it because it's like a like I heart New York mug and I like it. Uh, but the handle's broken, so I keep it. Uh, and I keep it in my desk. Sometimes this is what I do. I, uh, I put it on a desk. I tell, I'll tell the person to look away or close their eyes and I put it on a desk. So this works with either one person or two people. So if it's one person, I put it on a desk and put the handle um, away from them so they can't see it. Or if it's two people, I put the mug so that one person can see the handle and the other person can't. Um, then I let them look at the mug and then I ask them to mime drinking out of this mug. Hmm. So often... The person who can't see the handle will mime as if they're holding a holding mm-hmm. a mug from a from a handle to drink out of it, mm-hmm. right? And the person who can see the broken handle will mime with their hands around the mug mm-hmm. to drink it, like holding the mug itself and not the handle, mm-hmm. right? 
and then and then of course I show the mug and how the handle's missing because there's like and in that moment people are just like whoa that's like a huge difference mm-hmm. and that is just 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 to illustrate that we just have our own experience we just have our own angle mm-hmm. and then we interpret the world like mm-hmm. knowing what we know and it could be different because we might just be seeing some, this one thing from different angles mm-hmm. so just be mindful about the mug mm-hmm. yeah I like it that's why I think takeaway. Be mindful about the mug. We need to, we should do some Curious Fox merch and have, which we're going to be doing soon, by the way, a little hint, hint, but we, and then have a mug and break the handle and, on all of them and then just say, be mindful of your perspective. Be mindful about the yeah. mug. Yes. Yeah, totally. So or we can send the people and then with an instruction saying, break, break the handle. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, uh, so we talked about, all right, there's a few different things. So we are, in a time right now and place in the world where there's a lot of stress and not anecdotally, right? Like scientifically it has been measured that we are Mm -hmm. stressed out and unhappy and afraid. And as a result of that, we know that that is manifesting inside of our physical bodies. That means it's manifesting in our relationships and our homes. And so a way to, then that shows up in either us being clingy potentially or avoiding each other. If we have not handled our attachment style, and so some of the things we've talked about are self-care, connecting with people mm. who feel safe, offering support to people after you have taken care of yourself, mm. right? So not doing, not taking care of someone when you're in the struggle, doing things that bring you joy, music, dance, watching movies, positive affirmations for yourself. Don't wait for someone mm. to say that was a great email. Just know that was a badass email. If you're waiting for that, I'm going to tell you right now, I am saying to you, that email that you wrote was fantastic. That presentation that you did this week, that was incredible. The way that you cleaned that kitchen, that's beautiful. The way that you helped your kid with that math homework, that's really remarkable. Good job. Good job. You just got some stars. So get some affirmations and then communicate clearly, name the story in your head. And I think it says then be present. That is my meditate. That is my intention every morning so far. This the past few weeks is just to be present. It's hard work. It is hard work. Hard work worth it, but it's hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things I don't want to be present to, but I'm trying. <laughs> right now, yeah. I mean it's just so much it's just so much comfier and nicer in, in my dream world. Yeah. But, wow. <laughs> be present. It's better for you. So you will hear this after the election. So future selves, hopefully it turned out well. Message to future mm-hmm. Jacqueline and Nephi. <laughs> Everything's great over here in the future. It all turned out exactly as we wanted it to. Um, there's peace in the world. There's peace. The cure for COVID fell from the sky overnight and we're all good and the world has opened up. But wherever you are, honestly, we, we hope a lot of safety and joy finds you. The, we are not trying to undermine the fact that these are really scary and, and, and bizarre times. And hopefully this is a place that you can come to find some friendly voices, some curious voices to find some community. Um, if you are looking for community, we encourage you go on to We Are Curious Foxes and, and go find us on Facebook Find the group there, have some conversations, talk with us, go to Instagram. We are Curious Foxes there as well. We've been posting more stories and pictures and posts and you can communicate and dialogue with us there. 
if you have enjoyed this conversation and you think more people should be listening to these types of conversations and you are interested in changing the noise and making a difference and having a positive change, you can do that right now by just picking up your phone and pressing like or follow or five stars or share. Just do one of those things. Not even all of them. This is COVID and everyone's tired. Choose one of those things. Just do it right now. Take a minute. Um, It'll make a difference to us. We are really pouring into um, this podcast and creating community through this work. And so that would mean a lot to us. And go on to Patreon. We are updating our Patreon tiers so that patrons will get more access to the behind the scenes and and be able to ask our guests questions, which we've never done before, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other cool stuff. And then let us know if there are things that you want us to be talking about, if there are mm-hmm. particular struggles that are coming up in your relationships or joys or things that you want to share out that are amazing. You can give us a call at 201-870-0063. Or you can shoot us an email at listening at wearecuriousboxes.com. This episode is produced and edited by the immensely talented Nina Pollock. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha. We are, as always, grateful for their work. And thank you for listening. And as always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.